Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 11th episode of the 52-Bit Podcast. My name is Nita, and this is a podcast where we talk about something either you or I or both of us want to talk about. This week, we'll be talking about what I think aliens will think of us. Yep, you heard that right. So, as I've said in a previous episode, once every two weeks, I have dinner with my college friends, and for some reason, the idea of like what aliens would think of us came up. Just the idea that at some point we will make contact with another life form that can communicate with us. And we were just curious at what they would think, how they would respond, if they would respond at all. Because let's be real, who really wants to respond to spam email they get from space? Like, the worst type of spam email is from space. But this is what I wanted to talk about today. It's kind of all over the place. I don't really have a script for today. So it may or may not make sense. You've been forewarned, as usual. Proceed with caution. So I tend to think of, like, otherworldly life contact in two ways. Either, one, I like to believe the people we are making contact with are about at the same pace as with space travel and, like, understanding of how to communicate with others via space and all of that. Or two, they are leaps and bounds ahead of us. I don't think we'll make contact with anybody who isn't at the same level of space understanding as us, because I feel like you would get that message and then be like, I don't know what this is, right? Like, so what we send are called Arisibo, Arisibo messages that are interstellar radio messages carrying basic information about us and like Earth. That, there was one sent to the Global Star Cluster M13 in 1974. So we've sent quite a few messages throughout the years of interstellar radio messages. There are 11 projects that were sent out, starting with the Morse message in 1962 up to Wikipedia has down a simple response to the elemental message in 2016. These messages are obviously sent out light years away to different planetary systems to see if there are life forms out there that live on different planets, right? So if one is able to pick it up and recognize it, I I guess my first thought is, are they actually gonna read it? Because I feel like it is the equivalent of space spam And if you check your Gmail, right, like I check my Gmail all the time. Gmail already filters out spam, promotions, like forum things. So like if you're on big email lists or like social things. So you only get like, quote unquote, important emails in your primary email address. But I still have like a lot of junk that comes into my primary email address. And I'm not going to lie. I don't read most of the stuff in my emails. Like truly, I, I think I read the stuff my dad sends me. And if my leasing office sends me anything or if like my credit card company sends me anything like those are like the three types of emails I will actually read so if going off that I don't know if I read more emails than other people or less but the messages that come from space aren't like super plentiful or at least from my opinion they're probably not because I don't believe we've received any but I feel like if you're getting enough of them you might just ignore it if this otherworldly life that we meet up with or like get contact with actually is in contact with many other life beings around the universe, I think they'll ignore us. And I think that would be hilarious, but also sad. Now, going off the assumption that they actually take the message and read it, I guess the next question is, can they understand what we've sent? And like the list of interstellar messages has been sent out in varying different forms and varying different like methods. So some of it is like photos and data bit realization. Some of it is in like different languages, like dozens and hundreds of languages that we send out. 
I, I think one of it's like literally a song also, because the assumption is that music is recognizable by everybody. Even if you don't understand the lyrics, you will understand the meaning behind the types of music we listen to. So like if it's a happy song, a sad song, etc. Um, and I like to think about a world where like, there's one language out of all of the messages we've sent, otherworldly beings can also understand. Um, that's really interesting to me is to think like, what is going to be the thing that they understand and know how to reply to? Because I'm imagining they're getting like, you know, this photo of like us on earth, you know, like what looks like a person and an earth. And they're like, we don't understand this. They're getting like 800 languages. They're like, we don't understand any of these languages, but they get like a song and the song is like happy. And they're like, oh, nice. Somebody in this world is happy. Or somebody in this universe is really excited today. That's good. I'm presuming that the messages we send out also have ways to communicate back to us. Like maybe it'll give like our location. I don't know how you would give your location to somebody. So most things we do are based off of ourselves or based off of our solar system. So I guess it would be interesting for me to see like how people communicate back to us if they position themselves at the center or like their galaxy at the center of the universe. So assuming that we are able to communicate to them, we are able to find a way for them to communicate back to us and they communicate back to us in a form that we both understand, I will already be amazed. After that, we would have to start a relationship with the other life forms and they would have to want to start a relationship back with us. This is like creating a friendship, basically. There's too many steps and you're always stressed and confused. But assuming that they're like, you're cool, and we're like, you're cool, and we meet up, I see this going many ways. And I think this is because the world as a whole doesn't have like a full governing body uniting them. Like we have the United Nations, but not everyone is a part of the United Nations. And also like the United Nations can't really speak for the whole world because some people dissent with what the United Nations says. So I guess my first question is, who is the one communicating with these beings? Is it whatever country's like space message gets to them first. So like if America's space message gets to them, is America talking to them? Or is the United Nations talking to them? Or is it like if Russia's space message gets to them, is Russia talking to them first? Or is it like a group of people? Like, I don't, I don't really know how space communication is set up, but we will probably have to get that written down somewhere of like, here's the communication channel. And I presume it'll come from the UN down and with that, we'll become more unified as a world when we have like another entity outside of the world to discuss things with. But until then, I'm very confused. And then past that, I'm always curious of like, what's the first thing we're going to talk to otherworldly beings about? Like, what's the thing that we're going to be like, you need to know about this. Like, this is important for us. And I love thinking about either A, taking like if they can come here or we can get there in some way, shape or form, like somehow we enhance space travel to the point that we can like jump and like warp speed, which would be great, or they can do the same and come to us. I feel like there are like three choices. One, we talk science stuff and our science, like our scientists would be nerdy together about science stuff because it is like space communication is the most sciencey science thing I've heard in my entire life. But I highly doubt that one. To be honest, I think that one is going to be the lowest of the low talks that we have, even though it should be high because we'll be discussing with people who we've never met before and we don't know what their atmosphere is like and we also don't know what germs they have and if they can impact us and we can impact them. It's like, that should be very high on the list, but I highly doubt it'll be anywhere near the top. The next thing I really like is if they could come here, I like to believe we'd just make them tourists. So we'd be like, oh yeah, come see 
you know, the pyramids in Egypt and like Niagara Falls and Canada slash the United States. Go see the Eiffel Tower in Paris and like the Great Wall of China. Like, I just love that we'd probably like take them around to all the great wonders in the world. Be like, oh, here's the Taj Mahal in India. Like, here's the tallest building in the world. Here's Mount Everest. Climb that. Like, I love the idea of just making aliens into tourists. That sounds hilarious to me. And I also love the idea of them doing the same thing to us. Because definitely one of the things is like tourism is a very big part of like our economy or the economy of multiple countries in this world. So I feel like we would capitalize on that very quickly. But I also like to think about, depending on like who is in charge, like not, I don't like thinking about the government being the first ones and, you know, the Space Force getting in there. But I do like thinking about what if colleges were the first ones to like interact with otherworldly beings, because I feel like the first thing they would show them would be the football teams. They would be like, look, football, we play football. And everyone at the college would be like, Y'all, you could have done anything else. You could have shown them literally anything else. We have a great volleyball team. We've got great research going on. We've got super smart students doing really important like work for the community. Like they're all like giving their time to make sure people are taken care of. And like the school's just like, but football, we invest so much money in football. I'd be like, yeah, that tracks. Like I feel like football is very highly regarded in the United States, at least. I don't know, outside of the United States, if like the equivalent like soccer or like if cricket or like volleyball or anything is like the equivalent. But like football is super well loved in in the Americas. And so like, I just love the idea as I'm coming here and then being like, oh, let's talk to like your institution's highest, most important researchers and scientists, as I said, in like the first part of like something I would want. And then they're just like, right, but instead, do you want to watch a football game? We've got a really nice field. We just got some astroturf in. The kids love it. Let's watch three games. You can be a part of our fantasy football team. And they would be like, yeah, okay. So those are just some of the thoughts I have of what we would do with aliens. What I think they would think of us is probably like, hey, there's another person here that also can communicate that's cool. I think depending on like which way it goes, they would think very different things of us, right? Like, so if they end up talking to our scientists, they would be like, man, science is super underfunded, but these people are really smart, right? Just like we're really smart and we can do a lot of good things together. I think if they end up becoming tourists and we end up becoming tourists at their place, they'll be like, oh, these people really like to travel. We do too. This is really wild. We should maybe set up a method by which we can travel between these worlds really easily. And because of that, we know that one of the biggest pushers in, in the global climate crisis is the increase in fossil fuels and uh, carbon emissions. Space shuttles are some of the worst offenders because you have to burn so much fuel to get off the ground. I feel like that might be a good push for them to, well, for our government to start investing less in fossil fuels and more into renewable energy, but also for them to help us design different ways to get to and from their society or their world easily for um visiting purposes. I do wonder what that would do to visas, especially because no matter what side it comes from, we would have to, as a world, start unifying under a governing body as a whole. And so I just, I wonder what a like world, like an earth passport going to like a different world would be useful for. And like, would you have to get specific passports to like obtain access to like different parts of the world? I don't know. This is an interesting thought. Um, and the last one is obviously that football <laughs> and like college traditions people <laughs> idea that I had. 
Um, and I think what they would think is, uh, depending on where they stand on football and their thoughts, I think they would be like, wow, these people are really interested in sports and very active in their world. Like, they really like doing this. Or they would be like, this is the best they could do. They really wanted to show us football. Yeah, okay. Like, I feel like you would get the two sides of the coin that people usually have, which are like, oh, yeah, football or football, I guess. Okay, cool. So yeah, that's uh, that's what I think aliens would think of us. It doesn't really make sense, so here you go. If you know what you think uh, aliens would think of us or otherworldly beings would think of us, uh, let me know. Message me at 52 underscore bit podcast on Twitter or 52 bit podcast at gmail.com. Uh, 52 in both of those is numeric, and I'm always open to hear what you guys have to say. For the sidebar this week, we're going to be answering a question from Camille, whose username is at... Lolita John Adams, and also Greenwell again. So Camille asks, what have you done with all your old t-shirts? So for clarification, Camille and I were both a part of my college theater, and I had a lot of t-shirts. So I was the leader of the improv troupe one year, and uh, that year I started collecting t-shirts, and I basically had enough to wear one every day of the week, plus more. I think at the end I had like 10 or 12 improv t-shirts, plus I had t-shirts from like the open houses we had for like recruitment, some shows that I did. So I just, I have like 14 to maybe 20 t-shirts just like that are from that time that I do not wear anymore. And I can say my goal is to make it into a t-shirt blanket, but I was not able to do it when I was at home because I could not find someone who quilted near my hometown. And then I moved to Texas in 2019. And my goal was to buy myself a birthday present of getting a t-shirt quilt. And I was like, I'm going to do it in 2020 because I'll have enough money. And by then I should know somebody who's a quilter because I was planning to like spend all of spring basically going around and figuring out like where all the quilting and like all of the sewing things are. And then, you know, shelter in place hit and everything. And I was like, oh no, I I don't know how to do this. I don't know anyone here who quilts or does anything. So I have a pile of 14 to 20 college t-shirts that just sits in my closet still. And the Long-term goal is to make it into a t-shirt quilt, um, and that is going to get done. I still keep about two or three to wear on like a regular basis if I need it, but for the most part, I have cycled out my college wardrobe, and uh, that's actually one of my goals for this year is to fully cycle out my college wardrobe so that I'm not wearing anything from college anymore because I just want to stop dressing like a college student. Like As much as I love dressing like a college student, I just want to dress a little more up slash own clothing that's going to last longer than a couple of years. My goal is to have as sustainable as a wardrobe as possible. So yeah, thank you, Camille, for the question. Uh, TLDR, I still haven't done anything with them, and they're sitting in my closet. From Greenwell, we have the question, how do you feel about henna versus coconut oil versus man-made hair products? So I have never done henna on my hair. Uh, I've never dyed my hair. I actually, at some point in my life, want to dye my hair into different colors, but I really like the natural color of my hair. So I'm going to wait until I fully go gray for that. But I used coconut oil as a kid in my hair. And I can tell you, I didn't like the smell of it. I don't like coconut, to be honest. So like the smell was atrocious, but it was very good for keeping my hair thick and healthy. I don't do it anymore because I'm largely impatient. And I mostly use man-made hair products. Everyone's hair is different. This is something I want you all to keep in mind. There's a reason different cultures do different things with their hair. And if your culture has something that they do, like I would suggest doing it, honestly, because there's probably a reason they've done it and still do it 
if your ethnicity or your culture does something. So I soon want to get back to coconut oil in my hair, but I just have not gotten to it. I am bad at that. But I will continue to use man-made hair products for forever. I think there are some better products I could probably use. Um, I have curly hair, so it's like honestly never well taken care of. Like I can never get a good haircut because nobody knows how to cut curly hair. And like I feel like most products are made for straight hair, so it's just not helpful. But uh, on the upside, my hair always looks cute. So I mean, I'm still winning. So yeah, thank you so much, Greenwell and Camille, for the questions this week. That is all for this week. Thank you all for listening to the 52-Bit Podcast. My name is Nita. Next week, we will have an episode with Lena to talk about soup. We're going to go through our top soups. So yeah, thank you all for listening. My name is Nita, and have a wonderful weekend, and I'll talk to you later. Bye.